0: The following audio is from Redeemer Anglican Church in Richmond, Virginia. More information about Redeemer is available online at RedeemerRVA.org.
1: Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. The word of the Lord.
2: Friends, let's stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Gospel this morning comes from John chapter 17, verses 9 through 19. That's on page 903 of your Pew Bibles. And just as a reminder, if you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to take one of these black Pew Bibles home with you as a gift from us. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. The Gospel of the Lord.
0: Praise to you, Lord Christ. Amen. Let's be seated. Once again, good morning, folks. I want to wish everybody a happy Juneteenth. I know that some of you are familiar with that holiday and you've been celebrating it for years. Others of you might uh, be new. Uh, Maybe this is the first, maybe this will be the first time that you celebrate Juneteenth. But if that's true, um, a happy Juneteenth to you. And if you need a reason to celebrate, that's as good a reason as any. For our Lord is the one who sets the captives free. It's also Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Thank you to those of you who've been texting me dad jokes all day long appreciate it, giving me good fodder for my kids. My favorite dad joke I've gotten so far from one of you who texted me this morning is, what did the dad, what did the farmer say when he lost his tractor? Where's my tractor? Yes. That's it. That's the whole joke. Please pray for the Maratha kids. Um, uh, so I want to let you all know, I know not everybody's been here for very long, but one of the things that I do every summer is, uh, even though it's my privilege to preach uh, most Sundays out of the year, every summer I take a step back for usually kind of eight to 10 weeks or so in order to spend time praying and thinking and working strategically to plan ahead for the coming year. I tend to work on long range projects over the summer. And this is a good opportunity. Um, to kind of get into a different gear as a church, to hear from a plurality of voices from the pulpit and a chance for me to sit under somebody else's teaching because you know what? My heart needs that too. So David, thank you for coming to preach to us this morning. Let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, my brother and co-laborer, David. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak through him to us this morning. Would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive your word to us through your servant, David. In your name we pray, amen.
3: Good morning. It's good to be here with you all this morning. Um, My name is David, as Dan said. um, I, for the last uh, five years, have been a part of this church in various capacities. My wife and I moved here, uh, it'll be five years ago this August, with um, our six-week-old son. And uh, we drove across the country from Vancouver and showed up here on a Sunday morning. And this has been the church home to our growing family ever since. So it is always uh, truly a privilege to be here with you all. Um, the past three years, I've been serving as campus minister at VCU, and I'm now uh, this coming month transitioning into my new role, which is to be the assisting priest at the church we're planting called All Souls in the South. Um, it's not called All Souls in the South. It sounded like that. <laughs> it's called All Souls. It will be south of the river. Um, so we are in our second week uh, this morning in our sermon series on the Psalms. Every summer, uh, this is the sixth summer in a row that Redeemer has spent Reading through and learning to pray the Psalms. Uh, That's what the the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible. And so, what we're doing is we're spending time in the book of the Psalms this summer, um, reading and praying these prayers and seeking, um, as God's people have throughout the ages, seeking the face of Christ in the Psalms, seeking to love and worship Jesus through the language of the Psalms. And uh, this has been one of my favorite rhythms in my time at Redeemer, and it really is a joy um, to get to walk through Psalm 57 together this morning. Pray with me one more time. Lord, I pray that as we open your word, um, Lord, that it would not be my words alone that are heard, Lord, but that your word would speak. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to set aside those things that distract us, um, Lord, and help us. Uh, to hear from you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you're not already there, um, in your Black Pew Bibles, turn to page 477. Uh, we are going to camp out in Psalm 57 this morning. And there's a ton in this psalm that I'd love for us to be able to really dig into. But what I hope we see, uh, if nothing else, while we open this psalm this morning, is that in this psalm we are invited to first find our refuge in God and to call to mind God's faithfulness. We're invited to find our refuge in God and to call to mind God's faithfulness. this psalm is a cave psalm. It originates from a time in David's life when he was being hunted to the death by King Saul and his army, and he famously took refuge in a cave for fear that he would be killed. He and his men were in mortal danger. They were hemmed in on all sides, and rightly, they were afraid. And it must be said uh, that while we are here this morning, there are women, men, and children around the world who are fleeing for their lives, who are seeking refuge. And this psalm, praise God, this psalm gives them a voice and a prayer in their suffering. And it reminds them that God cares for them and promises them his faithfulness. My guess is that while many of us in this room uh, have not experienced exactly what David and his men were experiencing in this way, you may um, know a bit about what it feels like to be sort of hemmed in by circumstances with no easy way out, or what it feels like to be overwhelmed by things that are more powerful than ourselves, to feel out of control, or even to feel as if enemies lie in wait for you at your every move. This is what uh, we are dealing with this morning. So, if this is you, uh, then there's good news for you right in the beginning of this psalm. And the first words, and that is that we can pray in the midst of our circumstances. We don't have to push them aside. We can pray, as David says Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. This is something that I love about the Bible and about the Christian faith. Uh, it's not a faith that has solely to do with philosophical ideals or these sort of high spiritual notions. Uh, we have permission through Scripture, and we see examples of this in Scripture, to actually uh, not blindly shove aside or ignore our circumstances or how we feel, but to actually be realistic about the concrete details of our real lives and to know that God cares about them. And so, David. A man who knew the heart of God, rather than denying his suffering or falling into self-pity, two things that if we're honest, we might naturally tend to do. David throws himself in the midst of these circumstances on the grace of God. And he pleads for mercy to our God who's shown time and time again that he hears the cries of his children. It's in this God that David says his soul or his whole being, his whole being takes refuge. Even amidst the storms of destruction, we're going to come back to this uh, and kind of camp out on this, this idea of refuge in a little bit. But I want to quickly pause and ask you, and ask just to get you thinking: Where do you find where do you find refuge? Is it in your job? Do you find refuge in your job, your family, your finances, relationships? These aren't bad things, uh, but what would happen if turmoil were to strike any of them? These things are not unchanging. Your closest friends, your closest friends could move. You could lose a job. The market, as we all know, is anything but steadfast. Uh, If we're to learn from and, and pray this psalm to make these words our words, then I think that one thing we're being challenged or invited into is actually to find ourselves, to intentionally find ourselves, commit ourselves even, to making God our ultimate refuge, the God who addresses David as, who David addresses as most high, the ruler and sustainer of the, world, of the earth, the God who is steadfast and faithful at his very core, and who actively sends out from heaven to save his children. This is what we see in Jesus' Jesus is the perfect embodiment of steadfast love and faithfulness sent from heaven to save his people. And you are actually invited to have God's loyal, committed, unchanging love and faithfulness be the refuge in which your entire life is lived. This is what David exemplifies and invites us into here. It's back to our passage. I love looking at the verbs that are assigned to David and to God thus far in the psalm. David cries for mercy, and he takes rest or refuge. God sends from heaven to save him. He puts to shame those who trample him, and again sends out, actively sends out his love and his faithfulness towards him. In verse four, David fleshes out his complaint a bit, and we see again as he addresses God that he doesn't have to have everything together or pretend like everything is perfect, but he can pour out his complaint, even in a dramatic way. He's hurt. He cries, um, he, he cries, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. In the safety of God's presence, David unveil, it unveils his pain. Uh, not just what's happening, but actually how it feels. And let me tell you what I think happens here. I think this is really powerful. This type of intimacy, being vulnerable while calling to mind who God is, steadfast, faithful, leads David into praise. Think about how sharing your struggles with a trusted friend or with a spouse makes you feel closer to them, makes you feel that you can rest in a different way with someone who you've shared your pain, your doubts, or your frustrations This is similar, I think, to the way that we relate to our Heavenly Father. When we actively unveil to him what's actually happening in our lives, how we actually feel, when we let him see, when we open up, we can begin to take refuge in him in a new way. We can begin to take refuge in him in a new way when we trust him in these things. And then calling to mind his faithfulness, as David does, Calling to mind that he is most high and that he is faithful, even in our vulnerability, we can move with David either spontaneously or sometimes by determined choice from petition into praise. And the refuge of God, remembering, expecting even, his continued love, leads David into praise. He sort of erupts. He says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And this is a hinge verse. From here, the whole tone of the psalm begins to shift. Even more boldly now, he expresses his confidence in the victory of God. Having found himself in the refuge of God and having offered a refrain of praise, he knows, he knows that in the end, Evil not win. This is what we see when he says in verse six, they've set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. David is so confident in God and God's faithfulness and steadfastness towards him. He knows that evil will not win and he finds his refuge in that good and faithful God. So his response is beautiful. Um, his heart now moving from praise, his heart is so determined. He says, I will sing and make melody. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you. I will sing praises. The psalm now ends with repeating this same refrain again. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. When I asked you earlier to think about where you find refuge, I wonder what sort of things came to mind As I reflected on this psalm this week, um, I was was thinking about Haley, my wife, and how she's a refuge. I was thinking about friends. Some of you here in this room even have been refuges for me. It may have been that you called to mind uh, the images of the physical places that you call home. But I wonder um, have you all ever thought about how sometimes we actually seek distractions as refuges? I think about my phone as a distraction, an opportunity to disengage. It sort, of, it sort of offers a little bit of a sanctuary from the things that are pressing in around me, an escape. It feels ridiculous, right? We talk about this all the time, but, but our phones actually numb us. It helps us forget. At least for a minute, it takes our minds off the things that overwhelm us. And often it overwhelms us more, but it still is this enticing refuge, this temporary relief from whatever it is that we're facing. It's an easy respite, an easy but false cave to hide in. I also think about, for me, hiding, how I hide from or avoid stressful or overwhelming situations in food. Uh, this is a real struggle, to fill space where emptiness might reveal fear or anxiety, to fill that space with treats. I think about Ted Lasso. He is the best Uh, I love Ted Lasso it's a hilarious show and and honestly on a given weekday evening I might find myself seeking refuge in something as simple and as temporary as turning on an episode of Ted Lasso eating a bowl of ice cream and just zoning out completely I feel untouchable in that moment but it's so temporary. now, of course, I'm not saying that all these things are terrible or that we should, should never have a dessert or watch a silly show, but what I am saying is that we sometimes use these things, these temporary things, as hiding places. And that is a problem because they will let us down. You all know the feeling when you've pushed aside your fears or your stresses all day, you've sort of found subtle ways to numb them all evening, and then you lie down to sleep. and what happens? They rise to the surface. And you're without defense. While we don't know all of David's inner life, we do know a lot about him through the stories of Scripture and through the Psalms. We can be confident that he, too, took refuge at times in the wrong things in his life, whether that be his power, his status, or his relationships. But I think what we see in this psalm is both a recognition that God, in the end, he finds as his only true refuge and a recommitment, a recommitment to seeking sanctuary in him alone. It's as if when everything was stripped away and no false respite remained, David found himself in the palm of our heavenly father's hands. From the cave, he calls to mind God's firm and constant commitment to him. He's not only looking to himself, you'll see. That would be terrifying if he was only looking in at himself in his own circumstances. He calls to mind from the cave who God is, always has been, and promises to be. And then with the strong confidence that stems from calling to mind who our God is, he's able to confidently say, the Lord is my refuge. A little over 10 years ago, I was in a season, I think was, was the, really the hardest season of my life to this point. Um, it felt like, it, I mean, it truly felt like everything that I loved and, and held to was being taken away from me. It sounds very dramatic, I know, um, but in this season, I felt completely alone. I was, I was under a ton of pressure at work. I was staying up super late um, watching shows on Netflix because I didn't like to fall asleep in silence. I was afraid of that silence. Uh, I was finally firmly rejected. The door was finally firmly closed um, for me to be in. I I really had kind of tried to be in a relationship with this one woman for a long time, from college through the beginning of my 20s, and that door was finally firmly closed, praise God. Um, But at this moment... um, I find myself in complete and just really what felt like total despair. I was struggling so hard um, with doubt and loneliness, and I was very angry with God. I felt like I was in a, in, a, in a hard and in a dark place, and I could only see myself moving further into that. My view of my circumstances was turned completely in on myself. Remember when Danny spoke a couple weeks ago about how sin turns us in on ourselves? And with only the vulnerable, hurting, fickle David in view, I was paralyzed. I felt paralyzed by both fear and sadness, and and I really felt trapped. Things were so bad. Uh, I was living just outside of New York at the time, a long, uh, very ugly, very traffic-filled drive up 95 in the Jersey Turnpike from the people that I knew and loved most. Um things were so bad that I actually that spring um had a series of good friends who were committed to me that came up to visit and check on me and be with me. My dad even came up and just spent a really meaningful weekend with me in this pain. And ultimately with their guidance, um I had to I had to really let go of just about everything up there. And essentially I had to flee for help. Um I let go of so many things that at that time were, just felt core to my identity. It was so hard. And you, but you know what I found, and this becomes increasingly clear as I look back over time and, and processing this with a counselor and with community over the past years has been helpful in this. What I found is that the entire time, and I'm so confident of this, the entire time the Lord had me. I was under the shadow of his wings. He protected me. I felt trapped. I was so close to despair, but he held me. He was faithful, and I really feel like he sent from heaven, as David says in this psalm, and he saved me. Actually, as I reflect on this and so many other times in my life, I see that he has indeed, as David said, sent out his faithfulness and his loyal love towards me my whole life. And it's not that I haven't suffered, but he has been constant and committed and so the right response for me is actually, as David did, which is to boldly call on God for mercy in the midst of our lives, to call on God. This is our response, to call on God for intervention, for his continual, unwarranted favor, to seek, to rest in his refuge. This actually takes confidence. To rest in God implies that you believe he will hold you. Rest in his refuge. And finally, to respond to him, as David does in the psalm, and praise. Before I finish, I want to offer just a couple suggestions for how to, how to move forward with this. Uh, first, I'd like to challenge you to take some time this week to simply call to mind God's faithfulness. This could look uh, different for each of us. Uh, it might be that you'd like to sit with a pen and paper and write out ways that you've seen God work in your life. Or it might be that you could call up an old friend or a new friend and remember together God's commitment to you in your lives over the years. Uh, I hung out with a friend on Tuesday night on his back porch. This is a a man that I have been uh, walking through life with for 15 years now. And we told a lot of really funny stories and we laughed a lot. And we also remembered together, as the evening got late, God's faithfulness to us over these 15 years, his protection, which has been so evident in our lives as we reflect. And I'll tell you, I didn't go into that night even looking for that particular conversation, but I left there confident that God is my refuge, that he is with me and will continue to be faithful to me. The second thing uh, that I'd like you all, to to challenge you all in, uh, is to pray this psalm. Guys, the words that we use really matter. They really do shape us. Praying the words, be merciful to me, O God. In you, I take refuge. You will send out your love and your faithfulness. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Actually trains and shapes our hearts. Part of learning to take refuge in God um, is is actually praying, Lord, in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. I'd love to challenge you all to pray these words this week over and over again. And as we call to mind God's faithfulness, something that I, that I really think will happen, um, I, I really do believe that this gives us the confidence that we need to face our lives in this world. Uh, if all we do is we look inward at ourselves, uh, we focus on our own ability to, to traverse the world that we live in, the struggles that we face, the challenges that are before us, the world that we live in becomes a scary place. It really does. But when we actually take on the discipline of praying these words and of remembering, of calling to mind God's faithfulness, it's a whole different story. We can walk and we can pray with the confidence that our whole being, our whole being, as David said, is hidden in the refuge of the Most High God. Because in Christ, it is. I said earlier um, that steadfast love and faithfulness are the core of who God is. We see this in Exodus 34 when the Lord reveals himself to Moses. And in the life and death of Jesus, we see what it looked like for God to send out the embodiment of steadfast love and faithfulness to save his people, to offer himself for our sakes, to put evil to shame, and to secure our salvation from the storms of destruction. But this isn't where Jesus' ministry ends. Do you all know this? He's eternally, he's eternally faithful to us. Jesus is faithful to us. He's faithful to you still now. If you are a Christian, he is always with you by his spirit. And he actually prays for you. This is what he does as our high priest. He intercedes for us, as we saw in our gospel passage today. Speaking your name before the Father. Giving us words to say in our weakness when we don't know what to say. And helping us even respond to his faithfulness. So even as you feel closed in on every side or up to your necks in water, or as you find yourself in this cycle of seeking refuge in the wrong places, know that Jesus is with you. He's interceding for you as your great high priest. He's offering himself as refuge. He's inviting you. He's, like, he's inviting you to abide, to make your home, to make your home, your refuge in him And he's finally, he's leading you to participate in his loving and worshipful relationship with the Father, saying, with him be exalted, as the psalm ends. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Friends, if you would, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters in this room. Lord, in this psalm, we are invited, Lord, we are invited, even challenged, I believe, to take refuge in you, yet we continually, we continually seek seek solace elsewhere, and we're hurt by it. Lord, in your grace, be merciful to us, send out your love and faithfulness to us, help us to recall your goodness towards us, and to rest in you, even in the midst of the chaos of our lives, Lord, and lead us in our responsive worship.